All right, party people, we have a guest in these virtual streets on the Kansas Conversations podcast today. Welcome, Miss Marty Sutton. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with all of you. So listen, party people, we're going to put all formalities aside, okay? Because I know Martise. Her number is on my phone. We've had lychee martinis together. We are partners in the lychee martini world. Yes. And just a short backstory, Martise, who's the founder of Girls Going Global, I'm going to give her a chance to introduce herself. But when I was looking or feeling unfulfilled in my life, and I was looking to be more of service and give back and just do these things... Martise was actually the first organization that I stumbled across on Twitter and I reached out to her and the rest is history, y'all. That was like six, seven years ago. Martise. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how much time has passed. I, I know. Never so, long, but it actually has been that long. It has. So before we get into this topic of career breaks, tell the people a little bit about yourself. What's bringing you joy these days? Yeah, so it's interesting because I think that naturally when we're talking about ourselves, we start with like our titles and where we're from. Um, and I love that you started with what brings me joy these days because it gives me a different way to introduce myself. So these days, what brings me joy is food delivery, cocktails, and the beach. Those have been my indulgences. I feel so excited about being able to just tap into these mini luxuries that I did not in the past. But for all the party people that are listening, I am the founder and executive director of Girls Going Global, which as Candia mentioned, is a nonprofit organization that exposes African-American girls to culture through uh, travel experiences. And I'm also a nonprofit and social impact consultant and coach. So I help women to create and uh, thrive, build and grow their nonprofits as well. <laughs> I love it. And listen, y'all, I could personally vouch, okay, for Martise. She's probably, in, in my opinion, understating the work that she's done with girls. So I want to just stick there for a minute because please, could you please name the countries that you've exposed girls to through travel? I need you to do that, okay? She's like, I need us to, to really talk about this. So Girls Going Global started in 2012. And wow, it's now 2021, right? Is that the year right. we're in? Um, so we're going on eight years of service. And we have traveled to Canada, Costa Rica, Belize, Peru, Italy. And in 2020, we were scheduled to do Ghana, Haiti, Dominican Republic, and Costa Rica as well. And so we've had to, of course, put those plans on hold but continuing to show up for our girls and expose them to the world at their homes around global citizenship and global competencies. And it's been a journey. It's been a real journey. <laughs> I love it. Now your girls, initially, I remember you were focused on Philadelphia and Atlanta. So is that yes. still the case? Or? No, we've now grown and we reach girls throughout the U.S. We still have our hubs in Philadelphia and Atlanta, but our programming is open to girls throughout the U.S. since uh, 2016, I want to say. And we've been doing virtual, actually before the pandemic, we've had virtual elements to our programming. So in many ways, we weren't too ruffled, except for the fact that we could not physically have the hands-on experiences that we really nurture our girls through. Okay. Kudos to you. I love it. I'm sorry. I had just like, we had to pause because I wasn't going to let her just understand. 
the the You're changes right. Right. that she's making out here. Okay, so you are on a career break. Yes. What does that mean? In line with the uh, original question around girls going global. So as I mentioned, we started in 2012. And so we're at that eight year mark. And people typically say by seven or eight years of anything, you typically become a little bit depleted or burnt out. If you're into numerology, I don't know all the things right now, but I'm pretty sure seven is like completion or something like that. I'm like, it's around there somewhere. But yeah, but studies actually show, I believe that it's at the seven year mark of any type of career that you typically need to have a pause. And so the work I have been doing with Girls Going Global, I did that full time. I did it part time. I did it freelance. Like I've been able to be in all the stages of what it is of having a startup, um, working for other people, doing freelance work, again, being in the work full time. And so I think for myself, I was already running on E by the time we got to 2020. And then once 2020 happened, the full on burnout just set in a way that made it be, I didn't have a choice, but to really take a step back and assess, okay, what's happening here? And how are we going to be able to sustain not only the organization, but myself. And so that was what kind of propelled me into saying, I need to take a career break slash sabbatical, whichever you prefer to use. <laughs> so, so what are, so, so give me a situation. What are the things that you were experiencing personally that led you to say, okay, you know what, it's time for a pause. Yeah, I think personally, some things that came up was one, just like doubting my leadership, really doubting my direction, my vision, feeling like I didn't know if I was being effective um, and proactive versus just reactive and keeping the lights on. I was feeling a little bit like I really wasn't sure of the next step. And I also started to feel a lack of joy in my work. It started to feel very much, I was in the business of it all, which is great. And those are signs that you're transitioning from a founder to an executive director or CEO. So in those, in the that sense, it was really good. But in the sense that I noticed more and more, the girls, my time with the girls would refuel me, but it was taking like twice as much to really refuel me to, to get back into the joy of the work. And then some other just personal things I noticed, I was gaining weight, I wasn't eating well or sleeping well. So more and more, I think my body was just uh, shutting down. I think those were the signs for me that it, it was really time to to take a step back. So now many of us would say, now I would say I just need a break or a pause for me. It could be yeah, yeah. Seconds, 15 days or 150 days. Okay. <laughs> so right, how, right. how did you distinguish between I need a vacation, like two weeks mm -hmm. versus, because how long are you on this career break? Where's yeah. So uh, originally I was, it was for three months. I was going to do 90 days. And it's so funny because typically people do six months, like short, a short term break is three months. So that was what I thought I needed. But what is more common is people doing six months to a year. And naturally people always say that you're going to find that you're like, I could probably use more time. But I was like, you know what, let me just do this three month thing. And I think what made the difference for me is I was already thinking about a sabbatical before 2020. So I had already been thinking about, I really wish I could have a full month to not think, to just be and see what would stick, see what would I come back to naturally, what projects would I just want to pick up and hit the ground running on and what things would I be like, you know what, actually, I don't know how I got there. So I was already thinking about it. And I would say for, for those listening, 
the difference would be how long have you been experiencing these feelings? I think when you've been in something for a year, maybe you just need to replenish and take two weeks or something. But in my case, I had been in this particular organization for seven years and more importantly, growing it for seven years. And I think there's also a difference in that. When you're working uh, for someone and getting guidance and direction, that's a lot different than when you are consistently the decision maker, consistently trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. That just creates a different level of stress that made me know it was not going to be as simple as just like, a solid pause. And for those that are in nine to five careers, I would say how the difference is if you've been in a very toxic work environment or unfulfilled work environment for an extended period of time, i.e. six months to a year versus when you just had like a bad meeting, like mm-hmm. you, that, that for me would be how I would describe it or explain it to other people. If you've spent some time in the career and you're feeling like there isn't any advancement, you're not feeling fulfilled, you're not taking any initiative at work, you're starting to feel like your, both your professional and your personal life is crumbling, those are signs that you should take more than just a vacation. That Those are signs that it requires more of a break. And sometimes that break doesn't have to mean traveling somewhere or going away. Sometimes that break is focusing on more activities that fuel you or bringing in some additional support. So it doesn't always look like the break has to be you physically stopping. It could just mean maybe you break from doing admin work and you bring on an assistant. Because if you think about it, especially the way many of us are raised. We are taught or raised to believe that you graduate high school and then you are supposed to figure out your path for the rest of your life, whether that is college or getting just like one good job or the army, Navy, military type life. And many of us never really experience a break. And at some point you get to a point, especially if, you know, you, you work in an environment or you have your own business and you're also struggling with things personally, we never really officially give ourselves a break or a pause and have those serious conversations with yourself to say, mm-hmm. is this what I really want? What is bringing me joy? And I think too, because of the messages, right? Probably the competing messages that we see in the media about working and grinding and maybe your parents' definition of success. So did you have to unlearn any of the principles or something you was raised to believe by to, to start this journey or finally make the decision to say, this is it, I'm done on this date? Yeah, I actually didn't have to unlearn any family pressures, which I find I'm really grateful for that. And it's such a privilege. I've always had a mother that really supported anything I did and always gave me the freedom to pursue dreams. Like I definitely see that as a privilege because everybody is not in a position to do that. Sometimes, especially as Black people, we may have to care for our families. They may be relying on our help. There are so many ways that you can feel the burden of needing to provide or whether that's financially or even just as an example that I would say that pressure only came from myself. I've never gotten that pressure from my actual family. And again, and I've always been able to have the privilege to just pursue whatever it is I wanted to pursue without judgment. But what I had to unlearn from myself was this idea that my business needed to be in a certain place before I could take a break, or I needed to reach a certain milestone before I could 
take my foot off the gas. So I had all these ideas of where Girls Going Global should be before I could say that I deserve to indulge in another type of career or take a break and do something else or just stop for a second. I just, I had so much pressure around that. And again, it was, it, looking back on it, it was all self. And sometimes it was also pressure from my board of directors or pressure from, I would say, the theory or what we know to be true about how to run a successful business. There are, there is just the data and the logic that says, hey, there are certain things that need to happen. So those were also things that influenced my decision of when was the right time. So even when I started to think about this back in 2018 and 2019, I knew logically that it was like, okay, before you can do that type of step, how do you need to prepare your team? What types of systems need to be in place that can run automatically without you there? What are all the tasks that you do and who can that be delegated to? And those are things that you should think about before you take a career break. So to all those listening, this is an example of one of the logistical steps you need to take before you can submit to your employer or uh, submit to your team or submit to yourself <laughs> that you're going to take a step away. There are some things that you need to say, okay, business-wise, what has to be in place for business to continue going? Or am I deciding that I'm straight up leaving my job, closing down the business, or like, it, it, but it is an either or that you have to really take some time to work through before you can just go. Okay. Okay. So that's good to know. So why did you choose? So you make the decision. You're like, you know what? Okay. Bump that. It's on. I'm going to take this career break. Yeah. Why? And I guess to be clear, what I will say to people is that, and I didn't figure it all out when I decided to go. So I'm saying that's a logistical step, but I'm also sharing that I, I ended up needing my break so bad that I had to throw that out the window. Like I had to say, okay, on the most basic level, what can I provide my team? And, and I have to stop. So there's also the, the reality of knowing what you have the capacity to give because you will continuously put it off when you're like, oh, I still don't have this map that I wanted to give them or this action plan or whatever. Eventually I said, you know what? I don't have a six month strategy for them. I got three months and that's what, that's it. Right. <laughs> that's it. Like, I love it. Yeah, that's all. So I'm sorry you were. I but that brings up an interesting point. And, and I believe that advice could apply to so many different aspects of our lives because we get caught up and wanting to have the complete package and wanting to have it all figured out. And sometimes, especially when you're overwhelmed and you're like, okay, this is it. Sometimes it boils down to what's the next best thing. And it sounds yes. like your next best thing was to figure out what you can give your team for the next three months and you'll figure the rest out as you go along. I have been there. I probably am there once a week. <laughs> like, can't do it. What's just the next <laughs> okay. We're not doing this. You're going to get right. your job. What's the next best thing? So I love that you laid it out and said, I wanted to do 12 or six months, but guess what? They're going to get this three months and I'm going to figure it out. Okay. Now, how did you, or why did you choose Mexico? Yeah, so I chose Mexico because also keep in mind, we're now in the midst of a pandemic at the time. So it's about, I want to say it's maybe September 2020 at this point. And so the first thing was just like, who's open? That was the first thing, like, what country is even letting me come? And then what does open look like there? What are the restrictions? Do I have to do a quarantine? All this other stuff. So the first thing was who's open. The second thing was I did know I wanted to be close 
um, to home should there ever be a, a lockdown or some type of border enforcement. I needed to be able to get home quickly and affordably. So I knew that Mexico was going to be a nonstop two-hour flight. I knew that if I needed to get home for family or for any other type of emergency, I could get home relatively quickly. And I also knew that even on the high end, a flight out of Mexico should be less than $1,000. But again, even on the high end, it should be $1,000 and I could get back versus if I'm in Ghana. And as we know on the basic level, $1,000 is a flight to Ghana. So on the high end, it could run you upwards of who knows, $5,000. So those are three things I kept in mind. And then also the time zone. So the other thing about where I'm at in Mexico, I'm still on the Eastern Standard Time Zone. So I'm still able to conduct business the same, speak to my family members the same. Everything is still very easy. And that was what I needed. I needed easy. And then the other big thing was that I knew there was a strong Black community here. And so it was really important to me that although I knew I was coming here for myself and I wanted to have personal time, I wanted to tap into community when I was in the mood for it. And specifically Playa del Carmen, Mexico has a very strong Black community. There's always something to do. There's always somebody to call, whether it's for dinner, a flat tire, a ride to the airport there's always somebody there. And I knew that was probably going to be important to me at some point. And I want to go off script for a minute because yeah. I have to tell y'all to follow Martise on Instagram and make sure you <laughs> to Instagram stories because, okay, so when you said easy, I started thinking about the time when you was trying to turn on the oven or the... <laughs> or All the right. You were trying to turn on the yeah. oven or something and you couldn't get it right. I noticed your mom came to visit. Mom, Martisa's mom is the coolest ever. <laughs> so that was a whole riot of them traveling around Mexico and doing things. And so y'all have to follow. What's your Instagram handle? It's at Marty around the world and it's spelled M-A-R-T-Y around the world. All one word. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, y'all make sure y'all follow her. And even I have to say when you are planning trips for the girls, because you went to Africa. Or was it Ghana? Yes, 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 I did. Yeah, I went to Ghana. Uh-huh. Went to Ghana. She couldn't get into uh, a location. Yeah, it's and always shenanigans. It's always some <laughs> shenanigans. Okay, y'all. So if y'all want to laugh and find out yes. what it really takes, you definitely right. need to follow her. Okay? So I had right. to pause and say that. <laughs> you make a great point about easy. And of course, that's relative, right? right. Um, so definitely understand what is easy for you. And also allow room for the unexpected. So did I expect to get here and, and then be like, what is going on with this oven? No. But for the most part, everything else was easy. So allow it allowed that oven situation to not be the thing that made me say, I have to leave. You yeah. know what I mean? Versus if you also didn't have running water, if it was also a blackout, if you also hated your apartment and then the stove don't work, you would just be like, you know what? I'm over this whole thing. You do have to be realistic with yourself about what you are willing to, what are your non-negotiables and what are your triggers? What are the things that will keep you in joy and what are the things that typically take you out of that? Okay, that's good, that's good. Okay, so an interesting twist. So I reached out to some of my Twitter peeps Ooh. And I told a few of them to ask them what would they want to know if they would take a career break and what would be their fears and what questions would they have about even starting that journey. And I was blown away that so many people were interested in, okay, how you make that happen? That sounds good, but girl, I don't know. So right, a popular right. uh, question, what did you do to financially prepare and how long did it take you? 
Yes. And it's funny because I was going to go into that a little bit earlier, but I just knew that was going to naturally come up. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I'm going to say about that is if where you are at in life definitely can change the type of traveler you are. So 24 Martis maybe would have said, take $1,200 and go, right? 30-year-old Martis is not with it, okay? Like, I'm not going to be, if you are listening to this and you think I'm going to tell you, if you got $300 in your bank account, you can make it work. No, ma'am. I am not subscribing to that. I do not sign up for the struggle bus. It's not happening over here, okay? No, because I, I recently saw in a Facebook group, somebody was like, oh yeah, I only have this much money left. What do y'all think I should come? And everybody's, you can figure it out. And I'm like, why do I keep lying to people? This is why people be over here with cans of beans. No, ma'am. I don't want beans, okay? I want steak, lobster, lychee martini. Martini's okay, eating I'm good, y'all. <laughs> Listen, okay, so to answer that, I would say I always start with what does it cost to sustain you in the States? What is your bare minimum number? I always call it your ramen noodle budget. So you need to be very clear on, at the most basic level, if you lost your job tomorrow or lost your stream of income tomorrow, what does it require? How much money do you need to be able to live in this world? And that might mean not your nails, not your hair, but just your simple life, your car note, your rent or your mortgage, whatever types of debts or whatever. Keep all those things in mind. And then what I've done is you can take that number and utilize that to look for what is the cost of living in other in these other countries so one of the websites that's good to go to is called Rome to Rio and that's spelled Rome like the country and Rio as well like Brazil you can literally go on there you can type in whatever country or city you're looking to, to live in and you can also set what type of lifestyle you want to live so if they put luxury they put opulent they put medium and they put basic and you can click any one of those things and they can tell you all right now if you're trying to just be okay just all you need. If you're trying to do this, you might need more. So that was very helpful for me to know. I already knew that even on the most opulent level, it was telling, it was quoting me about 1800 here in um, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Now you do also have to take that number and recognize that it's relative. So then also do your research around what do apartments cost? What are some of the daily expenses? Join Facebook groups and find out from them what has been helpful for, for them to know in regards to finances. So that helped me also really get a clear picture of how much would it cost to be here. And then from there, I was able to have a number and be able to save towards that number or work towards that number. So whether that was, I was gonna take on two new clients so that I can bring in that amount, whether that was gonna be, I was gonna actually uh, save that amount, but I, I had a number in mind and I knew I wrote what I wanted to do. And then just simply multiply that by how much time I thought I was going to be. So I also wanted to create some comfort. And so I did try to save, I think even though it said 1800, I wanted to have enough for 3000 a month. Like I was like, if I had 3000 a month, what would that look like? And that was what I created my budget to be for three months. I love it. So any medical preparation? That was another question. What did yeah. you do in terms of, did you go to the doctor or like, how are you managing that whole yeah the other thing i would definitely say is getting uh travel insurance and health insurance so really making sure that you have some clarity around what your health insurance covers or does not cover i still believe that even with a health insurance policy that you have in the states i would still recommend you to get travel insurance because 
I think of worst case scenarios and the worst case scenarios that if you have to go to a hospital or if God forbid you end up transitioning, it's very expensive to ship bodies home from the U from any other country. Most hospitals require you to spend the money up front. So unless you already have a savings of about ten to fifty thousand dollars, you need to have some type of health insurance because otherwise you might have to be in a situation where you're like we need that ten stacks right now before we can get started on you. So that's something to keep in mind. And then that was also, I will say, that was also something that um, somewhat influenced my decision around, I didn't have any shops that I needed or anything like that to be able to come to Mexico versus Ghana, for example, you do need to have the yellow fever vaccine. Now I had already had that, so that still would have been an option for me. Places like India where they might require, where there might be a malaria vaccine that's suggested. And then also you get to determine your relationship around vaccines and vaccinations. Some people don't get them. And I remember even when I did travel to India, I don't remember getting Something they required of me, I didn't get. I remember I didn't get. And it, I'm pretty sure it was around malaria because I knew that I was not going to be in a rural place where um, malaria is really prevalent. And so I think I maybe waited till I got to India. I don't even remember if I bought the malaria pills, honestly. But I'm a little bit of a risk taker. Right. And that's because this is not my first rodeo. So the other thing I would say to people is that know yourself, okay? If you are a person that is going to give you anxiety to, to not have all the things, all the shots, get the shot. If this is going to be your first time traveling out of the country, take the precautions. It, but for those of us that maybe have traveled, you already know what you're flexible about doing. And so you probably have your own idea of how you should operate. Right. So what, because at the time of us recording this podcast, how long have you been in Mexico now? I have been in Mexico for maybe four-ish months. Oh, okay. So what have you been surprised, if anything, has, what have you been surprised to learn about yourself during this time? Let me think. I don't or, know. Or, or, or like, what's new with Martise? What is new? Wow, that's a good one. Any new... I think I am definitely, I think I definitely have a new mindset around, I don't know if I want to say money, because it's not just about money, but I, I feel like I definitely have a different mindset around abundance and, and provision. I think that I have really stepped into a space where I know I'm provided for. And for those that are believers, this is definitely coming from that lens. Mm -hmm. I was watching a sermon with Michael Todd and he was saying how he labeled his bank accounts. One was called more than enough and one was called overflow. And I literally went and I changed my bank account names. Okay. Now I never, I don't think none of us I don't think none of us ever thought about what our bank account name is, but I went and I made my checking account say more than enough and I made my savings account say overflow. And when I say it has just created a different energy, I've really never been the girl that checked my account in the first place, quite frankly. But now it's, I always am reminded that I don't really need to because why? Because it's more than enough in there. Like if you don't have it. to check this, it's more than enough. And if it ain't, it's overflow right here. And so I have just really embodied that in all the ways that I am more than enough. I have more than enough. Everything that I do need is within me. And I would say that has probably been the greatest um, shift in how I've been just moving about the world. I just feel so provided for it. And I'm so grateful for that. Like I you never, I have not worried. I have not worried at all. I have not had any financial stress. I have not had any type of stress actually. And that has been refreshing. It's been refreshing to know that abundance is 
always around me. And even to, I started off talking about these many luxuries, but also just indulging in opulence and luxury and knowing that life can be easy. Everything, it doesn't have to be hard. And I think for Black women, we're so used to everything being hard that now it's almost like we resist easy. When it is too easy, you find yourself coming up with ways to make it harder. So in my case, it was like, I really like Playa. It is very American. And uh, so then I start being like, maybe I should be somewhere else where I can be challenged with the language or all these things and it's or you can just relax like you could just relax and know that you can speak English or Spanish when you need to you can have a, a concierge like why do you feel the need to to be somewhere where you got to walk three miles to the nearest fruit stand just go ahead and know Walmart is around the corner and relax sis relax just relax <laughs> but I see us do it all the time it's like this idea that everything has to be I don't even want to say that we want everything to be a challenge, but more so that sometimes you, you, you question easy, like, why is it so easy? It, something can't be right. There's some skepticism around when stuff is way too smooth, like something like, so they just come pick up your laundry and then they take it and then they bring it back, but they don't steal anything. They don't do anything to your clothes. No, ma'am. You just get to live your life and not do the laundry. I love it. It's, I think that we feel like, if it's hard and we struggle, then we're worthy. It's a yes. very, it's yes, a very. Because we've been taught that we have to earn everything. It goes back to the concept of you have to be twice as good. And I think that's not only around racial identity, but also your social economic background. And to just say it bluntly, I feel like poor people feel like we got to work for everything. But, and that's because we've been brainwashed to believe that being rich or wealthy is bad. It's not seen as something that's good to do. So the rich people, they just got all that money. And you know what I'm saying? And if you told yourself, for example, like even if we think of like plastic surgery, this is a wild example but just roll with me I feel like when you are from a lower class you frown your nose at plastic surgery it's very much like she she work out she do whatever it is but a rich person is you know what I'm tired of my stomach I'm getting my stomach done you know why do you need to work out five days a week and have grilled chicken for eight months with a sweet potato who told us this who told us this no <laughs> all this to say party people I don't have no surgery, but let me tell y'all something. I've been thinking about it because I said, you know what? Who told me I needed to work off this, these 10 pounds? Why, if I can pay somebody to just take it off of me? Like who told me that? And, and not because I plan on getting it, but my point is that I've already been conditioned to say that I have to work for it or else it's, or it's not worthy or I'm not deserving of it or I can't be proud of it. And, and again, I use the plastic surgery example, but that's for so many other things. That's whether you're buying a house, that's whether you're getting a car. So there's all these ideas of your parents helped you or if you had a partner help you, then it means all these bad things when it simply means that you've decided to receive help. I do see it that way. We have to be more open to receive. And mm -hmm. one of the things that bothers me is a lot of the times we do make it more difficult than what it needs to be. Or if someone has had the, and I'm doing air quotes y'all, the easy way out, people get mad. Oh, they, they didn't do, they didn't even put in the work to, to yeah. make it happen. I remember I did an article with Sarah Jakes Roberts for <laughs> Black Enterprise. Now I love Sarah Jakes Roberts. Yes, and loves I call her father, Reverend T.D. Jakes. That's my uncle. I say Uncle T.D., okay? That's yes, my uncle yes. in my head. But anyway, I did this amazing article on her. And, and if anyone is familiar with Sarah Jakes Roberts, she has her own platform, Woman Evolve. She does her own thing. To me, 
although she connects with her dad periodically, she literally has built her own platform. Yeah. And so I did the article, they post the article, and it was so many people who commented that her father, is, she got this way because her father had the money, and she probably was doing this interview on her private jet. And I was like, okay, we were on Zoom. I'm saying this to myself, like we were on Zoom and she had a bunch of kids, her kids was running around in the background and she was letting them know, listen, y'all, I'm at work. People just had this image of her having it so easy when really in that interview, she said, I started from a place of service. I started blogging and other people realized, I, I realized other people had a problem. And so I started to talk more about it. And I'm like, so what if she's connected to T.D. Jakes? So what? She's still was open to receive and create her own opportunities. And so you're so right. We think at times that things need to be so hard and that we have to struggle. And one of the things that I often encourage people to do is have better conversations with yourself. I like that you question yourself. Like, why does this have to be so hard? Like, girl, who cares that Walmart is in the same vicinity? Like, you can do all these things. And so get in the habit of questioning yourself. Why do you believe this? Why do you think it has to be this hard when it could be this easy? I love that. Yeah. Why do you think a woman couldn't be doing an interview on her private jet? I just want to go back to that. I just want to go back to what if she was, though? Tell me where the harm would be in her doing her interview on a private jet if she's still serving her people. She's still doing the interview. She's still dropping her gems. She still gave you something to say amen to. So tell me where the problem lies. And you know what she did? And she took her private jet so that she can get to the next service one time to serve another group of women. But you want her to be in the commercial Delta line. You want her to be checking her bags. But why? <laughs> So you go run up and take a picture. Like, why, why do you need this lady to be in row 7B? I don't understand it. I just, it's blowing my mind. And we are not here to talk about that. But like, when you share that, I'm just like, why do we do this to each other? Why don't we celebrate that? Why don't we look at that and be like, did y'all see uh, Sarah Jakes doing that interview in the, in the PJ? Baby, I need to be on a PJ. I need to do my interviews on a private jet from now on. Because right. I'm sitting in this room in the house. But now but I, I gotta do the project. <laughs> right. This deserves a discussion because here's the thing. A lot of the times people think that they are stuck in life mm -hmm. because of something happening outside of them. And most often it is the junk that's happening inside of you. And that's the reason why you are yeah. stuck. It is the thoughts that you tell yourself. It's the habits. It's all those things that's taking up space in your head that's telling you that it has to be so difficult. It has to be so hard. Uh, if this one is at this level, it's because they had it so easy. So when you think about the reasons why you're stuck, very rarely sometimes is it anything that's happening outside of yourself. It's your mindset. It's the things yeah. that you are telling yourself. So thank you for just being very honest about some of the, the things that you've checked your own self on. And one of the other things about that 
and so two things that just popped up in my head i'm able to check my own self because one i have been very intentional about therapy so i would also encourage everybody here if you are experiencing burnout or a career break one or or um, any type of stress one of the things that was also very helpful in me making my decision and has been a part of my growth while being here is that i have a weekly standing therapy appointment and so that has been very transformational as well and it does allow me to have these conversations with myself that i need to have and the other thing i was going to say we might get back to therapy later but you mentioned about that they put in the comments and i know i'm still stuck on this sarah jakes but you know what roll with me people okay party people y'all here for the party get a refill because we're going to be here okay when you mention who she's connected to and it just really was like oh something stirred in me because i wanted to be like question i have is who are you connected to because I also think that, yes, there's her father, T.D. Jakes, but what about the father who she is connected mm -hmm. to? And I think that so many times we have people, they, they decide who is responsible for your success. And how they say that God don't play about me or like I'm his biggest flex or I'm gonna give him all the glory. And so I find it interesting that we, we decide that these human people are responsible for another person's success. Could they be a contributor? Absolutely. But the other thing is that Sarah had to step into alignment with what she was designed to do. So she was not always Sarah Jakes Roberts, woman of all. She was also once upon a time just T.D. Jakes' daughter. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot of us might be in a space where we are such and such as daughter, such as wife, such and such as mama, or whoever else. And because of that, because you are not connected um, to a source, to yourself, or to your aligned purpose, you have yet to experience all that has been designed for you. And so I would encourage all of us to think about that. Like, how are we connecting to ourselves? How are we connecting to source? And how are we connecting to what we believe our desired life is supposed to be? And recognizing that a lot of the people that we follow and watch, they weren't always these people, but it really does require you to step outside of yourself before you can ever reach like, this idea of success or make your mark or for the light bulb moment you know what i mean and i share that because i do want to point out that she was not always taking advantage of the resources around her and so many of us do that we don't take advantage of our friend circle of our family circle no you may not have a family that can give you a hundred thousand dollars but you've never asked your family to invest a hundred dollars so here we are i'm glad that you brought up two things therapy and connection because i will say this with everything that we just said sometimes you can't see outside of yourself Come you on. just can't and so a therapist so i always tell people two of the best investments that i made in 2020 was a therapist and a business coach Boom. both two different two, two two different sets of issues okay? I, oh and i did three i had a therapist a life coach and a business coach another thing that i've learned too is that confidence comes from community sometimes putting yourself in rooms with like Mark, when we were talking about the jet right putting yourself in in rooms with people who are playing in those spaces or people who are having conversations about taking a career break or the lessons they've learned from moving abroad or growing their business to 15 million and what they sometimes you have to make create an opportunity for yourself to play in those spaces and connect mm -hmm. with people who are having those sorts of experiences. But I have to say to Martisa's point, 
sometimes you can't see out your, outside of yourself. Sometimes how you see yourself is different than how other people perceive you. And you need a outside source, like a therapist, a coach, a business coach, a life coach to help you do a brain dump of all that junk so that you can get your life in alignment with where you ultimately want to grow. We're always evolving, but a lot of us are stuck because yeah. of our level or our, the types of thoughts that we allow um, to consume us and stop us from leveling up in life. So thank yeah. you for, for sharing that, especially about the therapy, because that's something that I try to share quite often. Like therapy has changed my life. Yeah. Just and I was open. stuck. I was absolutely stuck. And I didn't share this in the beginning because I was just trying to be mindful of time. But I do think now it's on my heart to share that the real behind my career break was that, yes, I was very stuck. And I think I've been compelled to share it now because we were talking about the thoughts that you tell yourself. And I didn't feel like I was enough in so many ways. At the time, while I was running my business, I was experiencing a uh, like a takeover of sorts where I, my, I was being questioned about like, should this person be running the organization? What are her plans? Maybe we should find somebody else. Or so there was just a lot of surveillance. I felt more than support. And so I started to question, am I supposed to be running Girls Going Global? Maybe I should be a board member. Maybe I should be passing to someone else. Like I had to have these very real conversations with myself of like, am I the one standing in the way? And then I also went through a pretty traumatic heartbreak as well, where I felt like I was not enough because this person still didn't choose me at the end of the day. So definitely I was in my head feeling like it didn't matter what I felt about what I was producing or how I was showing up. It seemed like for whatever reason, it was never enough for these other people to see me, um, um, to choose me, to validate me, to reassure me. And so Back to Candia's point, the reason why therapy was super helpful was because it allowed me to share all of that in a object with an objective party. So I didn't have to worry about if I said it to my mom or my friend or whoever else and then being stuck on what to say. I was able to say that to somebody that could help me navigate these feelings and talk me through what did I need to be able to overcome those feelings. And I share it again because some of you might be stuck right now and it's okay to be stuck. The first thing you have to do is just acknowledge that you you are not okay that you are not happy that you don't feel like you're enough that you are heartbroken that you are disappointed that you feel defeated you have to go ahead and, and say it to yourself because the longer you hide from it you will never overcome it god doesn't allow us to skip steps okay so every time you try to tell yourself oh i'm good i'm gonna do a spa day do 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 month five you're gonna come back around and you're gonna be back on the couch watching next episode okay because the Lord then told you you wasn't okay, but you won't go ahead and really do the daily work, the heart work that it requires to, to acknowledge to yourself or to others that you are not okay. That requires a whole different level of vulnerability. But I'm sharing with y'all today that like I was down and out and I felt like I could not show up for myself, let alone those girls. I, I really started to feel like, how can I be a role model to girls? How can I tell these girls to live their biggest dreams? And I feel like I can't move off the couch. And so that was a real moment I had to have with myself. And those were the real feelings and emotions that I was sifting through before taking this career break. I, I thank, you. thank you. Like, thank you for like, thank that, you. that level of transparency and vulnerability because 
I believe when I say confidence comes from community, I feel like stories like that is going to help someone heal and, and be able to acknowledge the space that they're in and make moves to grow out of it or to just to at least do the next best thing to get therapy or just to speak to someone. So I, I just really at the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. And it's definitely difficult sometimes to talk about. And I also struggle with how much to share because I never want to be seen as whining about something or complaining or if I girl get over it. But I do think it's important that we are more vulnerable in sharing our stories that are not the, the glitter that are the valley. And I think it's important for women to be validated. And like, sometimes it can be just heartbreak. I think we tell ourselves that it has to be these monumental things that allow us to say, I need a break. And sometimes it could be the everyday thing that just like you were heartbroken. And that was the thing that took you under. And so I have been trying to be more um, conscious of making sure that I share all parts of the story when I feel compelled to, when it's a safe space to. And so thank you for providing that safe space. Yes. So when you think about going, returning to the U.S., if you'll ever return, I don't know, you may just decide this is your thing. I've had people do that. Instagram the other day, they were like, if you're not coming back, just say that, sis. Just say that, girl. It's cool. I just figure out when I'm going to catch my flight. But anywho, do you have any reservations about returning to the U.S.? Because I do feel like the vibe, particularly in other countries, sometimes it, it soothes you because there's not so much of a rat race and people plugged in and stuff like that. Do you have reservations about returning? to the U.S. full-time? I don't know. It, it's funny because I think we also have to keep in mind where it's COVID. So I think that adds a different layer of like normally coming back because now you're like, you're coming back. There might be different types of restrictions, all the things you need to be mindful of. I live in Atlanta, which everybody jokingly says is COVID-free. No. There are no restrictions. Uh -huh. So um, in many ways, it's very much, okay, I probably still will be able to move as freely as I would like to. I would say more than thinking about my physical space, I think a lot about what will it look like to return back to work full-time or part-time or whatever that looks like. And so one of the things I also encourage you to do is really craft a re-entry plan for yourself. And that was something I thought about independently, like knowing that even when I come back, I'm not hopping right into work. I still will plan, I still plan to have at least about a month to just be settling in. Mm -hmm. And I know um, there's a career coach who typically suggests, I think she said for every four weeks, give yourself one week or something like that. There's like a formula that she prescribes around that, but you can always Google like other examples of people's re-entry strategies. But for me, that's definitely going to look like taking my time, just getting back home, eating all my foods, doing mm -hmm. my thing, catching up on my shows. Um, and I plan to integrate with part-time work. So I'll start taking on more clients. So even now that I'm here um, in Mexico, I've started taking on coaching clients over the past month so that I've already gotten back into the rhythm of, okay, I'm doing one-on-ones, I'm doing group coaching, I'm doing these various things, and then just transitioning that to be doing it at home. And then one of the things my therapist has asked me about is what are the rituals or the routines you've created for yourself there that you want to bring with you 
when you go back home. So whether that has been doing daily walks, whether that has been reading your devotional or whatever type of quiet time you have, being mindful of the different types of hobbies and habits you pick up and how you can try to recreate those for yourself at home. Now, I can't walk to a beach, but I, I do have the park. And that was something that I did even before I came to Mexico, I would go to the park a lot or I would do daily walks around my apartment or my neighborhood. And those were things that I was able to bring here. And so I just plan to switch that over. If it's your gym routine, if it's your meal prep, things like that, just try to think about and then also budget through. Because one of the things that I know will be different for me is meals. I noticed that I spend a lot of money on food delivery here in a way that I would never do at home. Because like the $3 that it costs here to get the food delivered is just like worth my ease, right? Back to these small luxuries versus the $20 that it costs for Uber Eats at home. I'm just like, you know what? This is too much. I'm gonna just drive down the street. Don't worry about it. So that's an example of if part of your ease has been having your meals come into your home, okay, thinking about how you might transition that to, to start doing meal prep yourself. So yeah, that, that's- And I like your therapist recommendations because that's similar to an experience, the experiences that I've had traveling abroad. I really question, you think about places like uh, Spain or Italy and they have these long breaks, <laughs> right? Midday and at first I was like, everything is closed down, da, da 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 But then I was like, why is it this, isn't it this way for us? Because I do feel like sometimes, I used to feel guilty about sometimes wanting to take a nap, right? Midday. Now I'm just like, this is whatever. I feel like taking a nap. Now I, I, I don't really, rarely do I take a nap. But if I feel tired sometimes, I'm just like, can't you just lay down and just chill? <laughs> like it's okay. It doesn't make you less than because you took a two to three hour break during the middle of the day. So even just my brief experiences overseas has made me question sometimes how much I tie my worth or value to how productive, right, that I am throughout the day. And productive has always looked like output. Like also that, like we have told ourselves that productivity means an output of some type of deliverable and typically some type of professional deliverable. But like getting your nails done is also productive because that was on your to-do list and you got it off your to-do list. You now have your nails done. And like you mentioned, definitely crafting your own boundaries. And really, I would hope that over the time that you're away, you've learned what what is the thing that I don't want to say bring you brings you joy, but what is the best way for you to move? So for example, in my case, I'm not an early riser and I am comfortable with now saying that I don't need to act like I'm gonna try to do the 5 a.m. schedule. I'm not doing it. It does not work for me. I don't need to try again. You know what? It just ain't my lane. And so with that, one thing that's going to be something I do universally, it actually has already been universally, but no matter where I'm at, typically my day is not starting before 10. It's just what it is. Don't ask me, don't call me, unless I absolutely have to. It's rare you ever gonna see me kind of milling about before 10. And you definitely ain't getting me on no call or nothing before 10 a.m. It's just like unnecessary for me. And so even something as small as determining what is the time that you like to start your day? 
How do you like to start your day? I like to ease into my day. And so for me, that looks like starting at 10. But in truth, maybe I don't really get to moving until about one. By the time I didn't have my coffee, read my this, did that, watch my show, and do all my little things. Quite frankly, I might not get started till about one o'clock sometimes. And But you can determine for yourself, what are your working hours? What are your leisure hours? What are your you hours? What are your God hours? All those things you can determine for yourself and, and take the pressure off of feeling like, it has to be this one way. And for those of you that do have an employer, because I know somebody's sitting there, yeah, that sounds real cute when you don't got clock in and nobody. Let me tell y'all something. When I had a nine to five, I told them people, don't look for me. I told them too, I will not be here. <laughs> I told them people. I told them, I said, hey, now, nine o'clock, I cannot sign this contract. But if you can do 9.30, like we had, a, we had a, I did compromise, but 9.30 was my time to get to the office. And then about three, four months in, they also realized we need to just go ahead and let this girl do 10 o'clock. And it worked for everybody. And I was 10 to 6. So the other thing is about being transparent with those around you about what they can expect from you. Hey, I am most productive from these hours to these hours, that, that, can we negotiate that? Is that something we can talk about? And again, even if you do find yourself where it's like the compromise is that you have to do nine to five, how do you fuel, fuel yourself outside of those hours? Maybe you're just very diligent about after that time, you do not respond to work email and that's how you honor your boundary. See, I am a firm believer, right? People talk about balance and I always say, screw balance. Let's talk about boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Because Anything that you have to commit yourself to six to eight hours, it will never be balanced. And so the best thing that you can do is really focus on your boundaries. Like you, I am an early morning person. However, typically I don't start meetings until 1.30 because I right. feel if I put someone else's energy at eight or nine o'clock a.m., their to-do is going to become my to-do. Their energy is going to become my energy. And I believe in scheduling things for me to get done when my energy is at its optimal point. And so considering that, my mornings, unless I have a workshop or something like that, my, my mornings are typically hands-off. If you look at my calendar schedule right now, nine times out of 10, it's 1.30 on that's the time that I have set. I've had that in practice. And also I don't really try to schedule anything on Monday, but I've had that in practice uh, <laughs> for a very long time. That is a personal boundary. And I agree that even if you have an employer creating, figuring out how you can create boundaries, even not responding to emails on the weekends or Sundays, or even for me personally, my clients could email me late at night or on a Sunday, typically, even if I see the email, I don't respond because I don't even yeah. want you to get in the habit of thinking candy is available. So the boundaries are key. So let's mm -hmm. switch to the fun stuff. What, what's <laughs> popping with the social life? Okay. How are we getting out? What are we doing socially? Girl, I feel like I, I remember I had an Instagram story that I was like, I feel like I'm in the real world, Playa del Carmen, because it is just, so I talked about there's a community of Black people here. And like all things, it can be, a there are pros and cons. And so the pro is that I think it has been really good for me to be social because as I mentioned prior to arriving here, I happened to myself a lot. And yes, it was due to the pandemic, but also just because I was sheltering myself or isolating myself. I am also an only child, so I enjoy my own company as well. So it requires a lot to get me out of the house. 
that's the first thing. But being here, I, it has been helpful to be social because it has reminded me that you are a light, like you are the life of the party when you're out. You know what I mean? Like you are that girl, you are the hype person. And it's good to see that in myself again. So in all those ways, it's like really cool. And it's good to know that if I wanna tap into a social scene, I absolutely can here. And the other thing I would say about this, this place in terms of like socially is you can literally be here and there can be five different types of experiences. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this particular part of Mexico. It attracts so many different types of people. If you want to be with the turn up black people and y'all want to have soul food brunches and everything else, you can do that. If you want to be with the spiritual folks and you want to do goddess ceremonies and sound healings, you can do that. If you want to be with the white folks, the anti-maskers, and you just want to have beers, you can go ahead and do that. If you want to do the divers and the surfers, you got that scene too. Like it's so many different little pockets. And there's also, if you want to be here with the locals and doing the salsa and bachata, like there's a huge dance community where there's, I have a WhatsApp group for all these things. This is the reason why I'm sharing. There's a salsa WhatsApp group. There's my white folks WhatsApp group. There's my black folks WhatsApp group. There's my spiritual goddesses WhatsApp group. I'm in all the WhatsApp groups, y'all. And I know all the little things that's going down. Now, do I go to them? Not as much. But I know that there's always something that I can hop into. So that I would definitely say I would describe that as a social scene. And I would encourage people that when you are going to a new place, Facebook groups are definitely the way to go. Like literally, if you type in anything on Facebook, there's probably a group for it. And if you are, you can do women in Ghana, black women in Ghana, wherever you, you could type in whatever, it's going to be a group. There's a really popular group called Blacksit. And that group is focused on Black people creating their exit out of the U.S. And so that's for wherever you maybe want to go in the world. And so in that group, you can search for who's moved to Brazil, who's moved to Colombia, like wherever, and, and see these experiences of other people. And then there's another group called Exodus Summit. It's spelled E X O D U S, like your exodus, as well as like you're exiting the U.S. And that is a group specifically for Black women, and they have a conference as well as various workshops about how do you get residency, kind of those steps that you should take to to start a career break or a sabbatical or move outside the U.S. So those have been really helpful for me in terms of building community and taking the steps to go ahead and go away. Oh my God, this has been more amazing than I, than I knew it would be, I have to say this. And I am, I said it before we, we hit uh, record, but Martise, I am so proud of you, right? I am so proud of you just for making the decision to take this break because personally, I know the passion and the legwork that you put into Girls Going Global I know emotionally, physically, and financially what you've put into this organization. And sometimes we don't realize, too, that when you are in a position where you're always caring for other people, the last person that you do not care for is yourself. <laughs> and yeah. sooner or later, you get to a point where you just have to take a break from it all. And so if there's any, I know that you absolutely, it was time for you because I don't see you out in these, in these streets hustling and making sure that these girls were exposed and that you could provide all of these experiences for girls throughout the world. But even for the people who work with you, I've seen how you've cared for your team as well. So I'm so proud of you. Tell the people 
how they can stay connected besides lovingly stalking you on the gram like I do? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. And that is at Marty around the world. You can follow Girls Going Global at Girls Going Global on all platforms as well uh, to be in touch with me about how you can take a career break, how you can start and grow a nonprofit. You can reach me at martisutton.com or via email at hello at martisutton.com. Yay. Okay, party people. I will talk to you all soon. Oh, if this episode touches your heart in any way, don't y'all forget to leave me a comment and share. Okay. Of course, your favorite social networks. Talk to y'all soon.